Welcome back to the Deep End Podcast. I'm Samantha and today I have Royce Lightning joining me and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you, Royce. We met at a, an event called Enlightenment in the Bedroom. It's an event that goes up and down the East Coast and you spoke into some really awesome things and I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because I feel that it's so inspiring and it will support so many people who may yeah feel the things that you've been through so thank you so much for being here and being so open to having a very vulnerable and exposing conversation with me you're welcome thank you for having me exciting exciting to to share and express and connect with humans in all sorts of ways all sorts of platforms these days (laughs) yeah podcasts are fun I like having conversations like just having a chat with somebody I know who I think is awesome a friend and and being able to share that with the world Mm. so um I know that people listening would love to know a little bit about your your history what what's your journey and your sexual well-being been like Mm. journey into sexual well-being so I've actually been yeah doing some deeper reflection on this and I've been working in the mental health field uh, as a trained occupational therapist and psychotherapist uh, for the last few years. And uh, then aside from that, on my own uh, journey, especially regarding sexuality and sexual empowerment. And the biggest thing I've recognised is sexual health is an integral part of well-being as a whole uh not just sexual identity but um sexual health and it all emanates into relationships into self-esteem uh which are really cornerstones to optimal health in a way so yeah I realized that through connecting healthily with my sexuality, a lot of the other things, the other concerns in my life um, kind of dwindled away. And I, I perceive this as like a, let's say, a bottom-up, <laughs> bottom-up approach. Um, because often from my experiences working in the conventional system, it is very uh, cog- cognitive cognitive cognition oriented uh and working on thoughts and beliefs and which is great and certainly a big part of it uh but that's kind of working from the the top part of um our our bodies so to speak and actually connecting deeper with what's there in um the sexual centers and like the the base and the stomach and all these uh parts where our emotions come from uh, has really been nourishing and it's just kind of created such solid foundations that then I kind of just feel with such stronger sense of empowerment in life and to the other thing just kind of sort themselves out in a in an uncanny way that's been my experience anyway of kind of focusing on empowerment in a way and not so much on a uh, symptom focus for example so yeah, I mean, all, both both methods are certainly fine, and um, but I feel there definitely needs to be an integration of both 
I love this. I've I've had very similar conversations with other people that I am having on this podcast. And so, yeah, the integration is so important. And I love that there are people like you out there working in the field, helping people have the integration or providing people with the the tools necessary to to integrate both, both, uh, I guess, like, I guess both parts of ourselves, you know, the mind and the body bringing in this cohesion and bringing in this, Mm -hmm. this, um, your synergistic approach. It's really necessary. So necessary. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting how, like, I suppose, common perceptions of lots of mental health is that it's all in the, all in the, the brain or in the mind. And, um, but I suppose a lot of people forget that our brain is a part of our nervous system, which runs through our whole body. So, yeah, there is quite a um, big rise in the somatic uh, approach to trauma processing and mental health now, which is great. I love that. Yeah. So you've been um, you've been on your own journey with shame and with 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 sexual well being. I'd love to hear about that. What's that been like for you? Mm. yeah shame shame's a big one it's quite pervasive it can be quite pervasive and debilitating in um, many many ways and just to highlight like shame really in my experience it's primarily primarily a belief that is accompanied by feeling and that feeling is more often not a feeling of contraction in the body um, as a form of protection and um, or with withdrawal to protect. And they really pick them up from our upbringing and from our guardians, caregivers, school, culture, um, whichever the popular consensus um, is about certain um yeah beliefs towards certain dogmas and and whatnot and yeah obviously there's a whole lot of uh stigmatizing um perceptions around sexuality uh and uh given i suppose a lot of people in our generation being 90 91 babies um the the sex ed was pretty non-existent it was kind of all fear based on um Fear, fear of pregnancies and, and STIs, and that was kind of it. No, um, I suppose, psychosexual and emotional support around them. What does happen if we get an STI? And um, it's kind of we've been left, lots of us are left to our own devices in that, and especially with, um, with GPs as well. Often there is quite a lack of um, consideration of the emotional impacts um, of the stigmas, the psychological impacts of, of STIs and diagnoses. So, um, yeah, that's just one element of it. <laughs> that's quite pervasive. Yeah, I'm hearing you. It's, um, you know, there's two sides to shame. Sometimes shame aligns us back into our integrity and is, is that compass, that inner compass, our mm. moral compass. Um, but most of the time we see shame limiting people from their expression and limiting people from their authentic 
their authenticity because they're wanting to hide parts of themselves and not reveal um yeah these these parts of ourselves that we judge and there's definitely a stigma around stds i remember being educated at school and like there was just so much judgment you know like if you have sex you're gonna have babies you're gonna make babies and then you know there's this like cat catastrophizing of that being a really bad thing and then if you have sex you're gonna get an std and like we're taught about all of them like hiv aids and and how aids and whatnot has such a you know the stigma around that i grew up in a generation like you we grew up in a generation where um the story or the narrative was that if you are homosexual then you're exposed to aids um and hiv so it's there's so much fear around these stds and and with that comes so much shame yeah yeah i like that point of um the it's also a compass for i suppose behavior change um yeah guilt and shame does certainly serve um uh can be a positive um experience in that regard as just kind of to support a to support a redirection uh mm. in that and i think the biggest thing about all that um with shame and how it gets internalized is often growing up there's quite a lack of distinction well i mean generally when there's a lack of distinction between behavior and identity um repercussions of behaviors become internalized um, as our identity so um, whether it's yeah uh, being berated as a kid for spilling something and um, then that becomes internalized rather than I suppose a, a healthy form of that would be rather than just being disciplined in that regard to be like hey I still love you but um, maybe try and be more mindful of this next time for example um and just sort of kind of really affirming that our behaviors don't encompass all parts of ourselves and um i think that's why it becomes so pervasive is we're human beings and we um fuck up and hurt people and um it's it's inevitable and but then when we solely associate behaviors which are all pervasive through our identity then there's no separation and that's why i suppose the shame kind of the shame stigma and shame become so internalized so yeah yeah i'm hearing you on that and um yeah i'd love to hear about what what has your journey been like with shame i know that you've had a very personal journey with it mm. yeah so i i've been diagnosed with herpes for quite some time the better part of my adult life now and um yeah it's certainly been quite a ride uh it's been my biggest teacher in a way uh one of my biggest greatest teachers because yeah there was when i first contracted it there was so much of the the shame was activated i was like oh i'm not 
I'm never going to experience like intimacy again. I'm not worthy of intimacy again and never going to have good sex again, blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah, it did certainly take a, quite a lot to, um, it took some time actually to unfold that and process that. And um, yeah, the, the, the most intriguing things about it are that um, like cold sores, for example, they're herpes and they kind of don't really have this um, heavily stigma attached to them because I don't know, they're on the lips. Whereas anything that's on the genitals seems to, um, yeah, carry much more um, distorted perceptions, let's say. And as well as not many people know this, but glandular fever is um, Epstein-Barr virus. And Epstein-Barr virus is part of the herpes family too. So, uh, yeah, anyone who's had glandular fever has had herpes as well. So it's just... Um, yeah, just so much unnecessary um, baggage around it. Um, but at the same time, uh, I suppose a part of me is grateful for it all because it's really created this um, this expansion, expansive state. And as as I mentioned, it's been my greatest teacher. And um, why that's been is because it's connected me to my body in a deeper, more in a deeper sense of like really supported some remediating and changing some lifestyle behaviors that I was um, engaging in that perhaps weren't best for my health, overall health before. And um, yeah, it just brought me into this kind of more sensitive relationship with my body. And um yeah, it's so common. It's like actually so common. Um, but yeah, it's just, a, I spoke a lot. A lot of people don't talk about it as openly uh, or find it hard to talk about. But what I found that actually speaking about it to friends and unpacking it with friends firstly was really beneficial in helping the, helping clear, supporting, clearing the dense kind of contractions around um the feeling around the shame and then just talking about it and kind of being met in love and um acceptance by my friends really kind of helped me then feel more confident in sharing with romantic partners and just kind of coming this <laughs> i suppose bringing some just radical acceptance to it of like okay i'm just gonna i'm gonna express this and if people can't love me for who i am then that's okay that's their truth and um I know I'm worthy of love and if people for whatever reason that's going to be a deal breaker for people and so be it um yeah <laughs> yeah you can't say the wrong thing to the right person that's what I believe anyway and I think that like if you share this information with somebody and that's a deal breaker for them that tells you everything you need to know about that person mm. Um, but also acknowledging that people also have their own programs and conditioning around this. You know, like I often joke and say that I get, because I do have her, like I get cold sores, but I would mm. I'd often joke and say things like I have face herpes, you know, like mm. unknowingly just saying it to kind of like 
yeah, acknowledge that it is still the same thing. It's it's the same thing, just different place in the body. Um, but yeah, you're right. I remember when we did the enlightenment in the bedroom and you had us all shut our eyes and you said the word cold sore and you asked us to notice what sensations came up in our body. And then you said the word herpes. And to be honest with you, I, I felt discomfort. There was like this subtle sensation between my belly button and under my like under my rib cage in that solar plexus area where it just like tensed up ever so slightly and contracted. And then it was like, you know, that, that butterfly sensation you get. And I was like, this is, that's uncomfortable. Like it's an uncomfortable word. And I know that it's coming from a place of like where my brain has created a narrative around this, which is causing a physiological response to that word. So I really loved that exercise a lot. Mm. Thank you. Um, yeah. So with 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 the shame, what have you found to be the antidote to the shame? I feel like you may have already answered that, but I'm maybe wanting to focus more on like that specific thing. Like, what do you think is an antidote to shame? Mm. Well, really, the first thing that comes to me is love, of course, and yeah, it seems to be the antidote to a lot of things. Um, unconditional love, because uh, yeah, with the, that with that acceptance piece, um, I suppose there is it does bring that unconditional element to um, yeah, self self respect and self love. Um, within that and that's not that wasn't easy at the start no way like it took yeah as I mentioned the sharing just as I started sharing more like so I used to start I used to go to share but I would feel this clench at my throat and then like this welling up of like sensation in my body and then kind of pushing it down and um but yeah like emotions like energy and motion and it's so important that we kind of support ourselves to be able to allow these sensations or energy to um, have outlets in our have healthy outlets in our lives because otherwise they come out in um, not so healthy ways at times and um, but yeah it's really taught me taught me self-love in a way that perhaps nothing else has uh, because it's and it's interesting because you mentioned vulnerability at the start and this is one thing that, that I'm often pondering on because uh, I feel vulnerability isn't just a means to an end in itself um, vulnerability is like a transitional process into empowerment or into invulnerability where that aspect or part of ourselves which was very vulnerable in the start at the start the I suppose the wound uh, the wounded part or the perceived weakness um, actually transmutes into empowerment and invulnerability because um, yeah I actually shared about about herpes on um, alive yesterday and um, yeah I suppose many people would kind of perceive that of like oh wow he's being vulnerable like but actually because I'm in a sense of invulnerability now that's kind of 
through being vulnerable, it's become to this invulnerable space. And certainly love has mediated, self-love has mediated that. Um, and yeah, and thanking all the, the my friends and the partners out there who did love me, especially receiving that in the early stages when I was kind of still quite anxious about sharing, like that really supported the whole process. And that's kind of where we need we need each other. We it's we're not in this journey alone, and it's so important that we kind of really make that intention to connect with those those we love, like platonically, um, as well. Because yeah, that's certainly love and connection has been the antidote. Um, because yeah, as I mentioned, the the contraction that's often accompanied by shame create is creating a sense of disconnection and isolation with the world. So. Yeah, love and connection is the antidote. I love that. I love love. <laughs> um, and also what I'm hearing waved through that is acceptance. Being able to accept what is, you know, we can't change it. You couldn't change it. And then bring yourself into that state of acceptance. I'm hearing like gives permission to other people to accept it as well. Mm. You know, when we own it, it makes us bulletproof. It's like when when somebody says something about us and we're just like defensive as all hell, then it just perpetuates this back and forth defense, offense, conversation, battle. Mm -hmm. But then when we own it, there's nothing left for anybody else to say. And because of that self-acceptance and because of that self-love and we emanate that and we radiate that, it invites other people in to love us as well. That's being reflected in our relationships. That's what I'm hearing your your process was like. You surrounded around you were surrounded by some awesome people that probably validated you and supported you in that as well. So being discerning with that's awesome is in is amazing. And then mm. yeah, being able to heal through that by having open and honest, authentic conversations. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had an experience before kind of that, which was um, a real turning point in it where. I did actually disclose the herpes status to a potential lover quite early on before any, I suppose, therapeutic connection, uh, therapeutic relational rapport had been developed uh, within the space. And I kind of just shared really, I suppose I was sharing more from a, perhaps an anxiousness place to get it out there to like, I was feeling so much anxiety in my, in my body about it. I just kind of like spat it out like somewhat spontaneously and that's totally okay um, yeah it's like you're holding on to the tension of the truth <laughs> wanted to just let it out yeah 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 and she ended up ghosting me from that experience and obviously that that burnt me there for a bit and was quite a um because in, in my mind that was affirming the um this the stories stories and beliefs from the shame that her ghosting me was affirming that but um yeah upon deeper reflection and processing after that experience I realized I just saved myself like a lot of time because if I suppose I had um not shared when I did and continued to kind of um go along and allow kind of things to develop further perhaps would have been a bit messier and I just realized I saved myself a lot of time and energy from from sharing and yeah that was a really um 
big piece upon initially feeling that huge rejection. Um, and yeah, then kind of reframing it. Um, and you know, rejection are just people saying yes to themselves at the same time and that's and that's okay like as you mentioned people we all have our own programs and if some people are still in the um those heavily stigmatized or not have too much education and awareness around things and of course they're going to respond accordingly yeah totally um something that I really love that you shared around vulnerability and empowerment I really resonated with that and Mm. I I want to speak into that because what I'm hearing is the sense of you know you offloaded the tension of the truth and there feels like there was a part of you wanting to let this out wanting to be honest with this person but it kind of just like came out from a space of maybe not fully accepting and not fully loving this about yourself and parts of you still rejecting these parts of yourself and then that being reflected back to you and then your your process of you know creating a sense of empowerment by fully owning it like that whole journey just and then that being reflected because I recall you sharing a story I don't know if it was at the talk or when we've had our personal catch-up but like I, I, I recall you sharing a story around um, sharing this information with more recent partners or people that you've been with, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not a thing. Yeah. 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 It's like it's just really become this space of um, yeah. It's just like it's just like sharing of um yeah it's just become this space of it's yeah it doesn't actually it's not a big deal anymore like it's just kind of like saying i have a cold in 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 a way although colds are somewhat big deals these days um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was just about to say um (laughs) Yeah, so in terms of like the question that's come up for me just listening to you and it's a, a huge curiosity question and please let me know if it's it's too personal, but is, you know, for anybody listening who has this STD, what like condition or um, whoever has herpes or another version of STD, um, practicing safe sex, that's obviously a thing. Does it like does anything come up for you around that or what happens in uh, that scenario? I uh, I suppose there's there's lots of beliefs that um if someone's herpes positive then that means they're always um contagious um which isn't the case. Um yeah and communication is 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 key in it. Um and getting to know our, our own bodies also, um, as I mentioned, that's like really supported me in such um, a deep relationship with my body. And I'll, but this is related to what you asked, even though it's a bit different, but there's what's called the prodromal stage of any illness or disease. 
And what prodromal means is it's the stage of uh, an illness or infection, disease before there's over obvious symptoms. And um, the importance of knowing this is um, is that often when there's pro proactive um, action, when kind of I feel feel an outbreak coming on, uh, it can most often then not be um, dealt with before it becomes an outbreak. But that's also, I am quite in tune with my body like that and have had experience of navigating this over the years. Uh, so, yeah, it is really important to have such um, develop this connection with with the body, which in a in accordance um, does bring more awareness around um, safe sex and, and conversations. Um, because yeah, antivirals can be can be used um, as prevent preventative measures, which are quite effective and. Um, I mean, and then it's also someone's it's someone's absolute right to choose if they want to wear condoms um, or not. So yeah, just for also fully respecting um, their choice in that as well, absolutely. And um, yeah, and also the another important factor is um, ensuring that um, there's no damaged um, skin on the genitals because that's another way how it can be passed without an active um, outbreak is through uh, yeah through damaged skin um, on either person actually and um, I think that's one thing that's uh, I suppose not that well known or spoken about that's kind of one way of transmission without an active outbreak um, is yeah damaged skin so yeah, got to look after our look after our bodies, look after our skin. Totally, and I I feel that I resonate with that with my cold sores that I get. I can feel the tingles coming on. I know when I'm run down, sleep deprived. I know exactly what conditions I am that I know exactly what conditions cause an outbreak. And when I get a cold sore, mm. like I've got a scar, you can't tell because I've got lipstick on, but like. I've got a scar from a cold sore I had like maybe a month ago and it was huge and it was painful and I know exactly mm. why I got it. And it was, it's a, it's an indicator that my immune system is running down. So I actually love getting them. I don't love getting them. I'm going to bite my words. Um, <laughs> I don't because they're painful. They're so painful. And then I can't kiss my partner and then all sorts of like adverse yeah. effects. And I'm sure if they're painful on my lips, I can't imagine what it would feel like in the genitals. Um, but I love that you've just debunked this belief system because I had um, a belief system that, you know, I think this is what it is. You know, you watch movies like Hangover and they talk about there's that one scene, got to be careful when you're in Vegas, you know. Um, what's the line? Do you know what line I'm talking about? Oh, I haven't seen Hangover in years. So. There's this one line about like herpes and it's like, um what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, except for herpes, that shit stays with uh, you for life or something like that. I have heard that. Yeah. And that, like, that, yeah, it's said in jest, you know, like it is, it is, um, you know, truthful that we, once we have the virus in our systems, it's with us, but it can remain dormant. And 
a belief system yeah. that you've debunked for me is that it's contagious when so for me I always thought that if I had sex with somebody who was who had who was positive with genital herpes even if they didn't have an outbreak I would contract it mm. yeah but that's not true and then also there's another there's another um my awareness is that like you can have herpes or um, genital herpes for years without knowing that you have it because you don't get an outbreak until years later. Is that right? Yeah, there's all, I, I think, I believe now because it's just so common and um, and then people can be asymptomatic, but then people who are asymptomatic can still spread it. Like there's so much kind of uh, avenues that are like possibilities of infection as well um and yeah sometimes it's really you know we may not kind of know how or where we got it it could be from a water bottle or something um so yeah it's really kind of there's not really the the, the, like the pharmacological, not the pharmacological, the um, pharmaceutical. Uh, not pharmaceutical. What's the how? Well, wow, I'm having a mind blank here. The um, serology, uh, serology, like the testing. Um, mm. I think that's the right fancy word. Anyway, um, there's quite a lot of um, always getting different opinions from those types of medical doctors as well. Like mm. um, because some you can there can be blood tests for it and people can show herpes um, antibodies but they may not they may be asymptomatic um so yeah there's um it is somewhat of a complex um condition in that regard um but yeah as you mentioned some people can um it can be dormant for 20 years i've known someone like who's experienced that and um yeah, yeah it's, it's sad because I think that what I love, well, I know that what I love about you, Royce, is your integrity. And I know people who have contracted genital herpes from partners that didn't communicate the truth to them. Mm. And now they're having to work through shame and having to work through all of the stuff that you've been through, you know. And mm. it can be really hard. Then there's like the mistrust, the dis, the 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 dishonesty. The um, it can be quite debilitating for people to open their hearts up again and be available to relationship with others when they have this thing that has so much stigma around it because that's what we have been taught and what we have been programmed into believing. This like conditioning around these things having so much stigma when really they're it sucks, it's painful, but it's not deadly, you know. Mm. Um, it's just a reaction in the body. But, yeah, it sucks for some people that have had to, to go through this. And so um, I want to have a chat with you. I want to ask you a question around, like, sexual wellness and shame and, like, this is what we've been talking about. But the question is around... Um, what advice do you have for people who have herpes 
and are struggling to communicate that with others. Mm. Um, hmm. Yeah, first thing that comes to awareness is uh, just really feeling into the uh, tuning into any positives that have come about because everything can be a teacher with a shift in perception. And uh, yeah, just really becoming kind of bringing this a more neutral uh, uh, neutral uh, perspective on it and because um, then that'll kind of help uh, balance out the contraction that is being accompanied with the shame. And yeah, then as I mentioned, just start sharing with friends more and um, just something which really kind of just helps. It's almost like a bit of a practice in a sense because there's just... Because, yeah, the, the disclosure part is perhaps one of the, the, the most anxiety kind of provoking parts. Like I remember when I used to like, when I was still pretty kind of in the contraction part of it, uh, contraction experience of it, like I'd be making out with a new lover and then there would just be this like voice in my head of like, fuck you've got to tell her and it would really kind of um, bring me out of the, pres the present moment and um yeah it's and then like obviously I would share and um it's weird because like you get mixed opinions from doctors in regards to this to disclosure it's uh personally for me I disclose like quite early on now um and but yeah the doc some doctors like yeah there's just mixed opinions and there's no kind of real one way to do it but i think it's just really what actually feels right in our body and moving from that and um really seeing where perhaps there may be an overriding fear response that is blocking um an expression and um yeah, it certainly takes a bit to undo. Um, that, no, that might not be the case for everyone, but um, yeah, just really coming back to that neutral perception and seeing um, some positives as well as I suppose the more challenging parts because um, then that'll help kind of yeah, negate uh, the emotional contraction that's there, which makes it so hard to talk and communicate about. Mm, I like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, like you're helping people with this now, aren't you? Like that's something that you're exploring and really supporting people in their journey in, in healing through any shame and healing through all the stuff that comes up with this. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear about what you notice within the people that you've spoken to, any common threads any common challenges that they may have mm, well, yeah the communicating one is the biggest one um, because I suppose so many people are in society are subscribed to the stigmatized perceptions of it um, but yeah once people kind of start to begin sharing and um, having more conversations because then we can get more education about it and like there's there are um, 
information out there that to really support like uh, some foods cannot not be healthy during an outbreak like foods high in arginine which is an amino acid that's otherwise healthy but uh, during an outbreak would be good to avoid and that's like arginine is high is high in chocolate and red wine and um, I think some nuts yeah some nuts almonds um, sunflower seeds pumpkin seeds um, and I think a little bit in oats as well and um, there and also what balances that is lysine that's another um, supplement which is um, really there is research in saying it's quite effective and um, yeah using it as a using it as a teacher because I could really it's really supported me in changing my lifestyle which was good and not drinking as much alcohol and being mindful of stress and looking after my body more so yeah it's just which as that's improved in all areas and like that has like supported my overall well-being and not just in regarding to the herpes process so and like being able to deal with shame in a more uh, robust way effective way because it's quite pervasive across many different parts but especially in in sexuality not just regarding um i suppose sti status mm, i really like that and so um i've actually really enjoyed this conversation it's been really informative and educational and i know that a lot of people will be listening to this and feeling quite validated in their experience which is incredible to gift somebody that um so in addition to this sort of educational offering that we have, what else are you available for at the moment in terms of supporting people in their journeys? Mm. Well, yeah, as mentioned, um, I, I did leave my job in clinical mental health at the start of the year. Uh, and I'm currently studying my master's in sexual and reproductive health. I'm actually in my last um my last semester with that which is exciting uh, and yeah I'm not totally sure of my direction um, in in many way in regarding to if I want to go fully back into clinical work or not but um, for now I'm working one-on-one with people and uh, yeah my the intentions of being of service is to support people in feeling freedom and liberation in their bodies and uh yeah, often the uh, introceptive patterns and introception is, um, I suppose, a scientific name for body awareness. Uh, the the habits and like the psycho-emotional habits that become entrenched in the body due to um, internalizing the shame and, and stigmas from upbringings uh, really can hold us back from living a more nourishing life. And um, yeah, it's, I love supporting people and in, in processing these um, blockages and patterns and allowing energy to kind of move in more freely in the body and with more empowerment. And um, also Qigong uh, practitioner, which Qigong is a, an ancient Chinese practice and it's, um, 
yeah, it's basically like Tai Chi. Um, it's really basically a moving meditation and supports um, reconnection and activation of um, internal energy or chi as it's called um, and supporting a harmonious connection with the internal and external world and yeah really creating this sense of connection because uh, as mentioned like it's the love and connection which are really the antidotes to uh, disconnection um, so and yeah so I'm open to working I'm working one-on-one -on -one with people now and um, yeah it's been really exciting and being able to do that within my own and kind of add all my skills in there because I found working in the clinical frameworks was quite limiting for me um, because I've kind of got little um, knowledge and wisdoms from many different areas and um, yeah it's great to um, be able to be of service in the space now which really is accommodating for um, more of me so yeah I love that thank you so much for sharing and I feel like there'll be some people out there really wondering where to go next with this information and how to integrate um, and I love that your you value integration and you value the the support of um, bringing everything that you've learned together. So I will include all of Royce's contact details in the bio. Before we finish up, Royce, is there anything else you would like to share or we think is worth mentioning for listeners around this topic? Mm. Developing a healthy connection to our sexuality, it's, it's been been a, a life changer for me um, because it's the vibration in what creates us <laughs> that's why we're all here and it makes sense that it's also one of the most mysterious and uh, perhaps carries a lot of uh, misconceptions about and that we often internalize so creating developing a healthy connection to myself and my body and my sexuality uh, has really having that intent has really just enhanced my life in all different ways and in, in all different all facets as well really so yeah thank you so much thanks for sharing that little wisdom bomb and thank you for joining me in this conversation I really appreciate your time and your energy and mm. your availability to to speak into some really taboo topics. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Mm, so welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Pleasure. Okay, guys. It's, it's, um, okay. it's been great. If you, um, if you wanted to cover some more taboo topics, then um, I'm certainly open to that. <laughs> oh, I'm so here for taboo topics. I love it. I love uh, going there and talking about the things that everybody's thinking about, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah let's let's definitely have another chat so stay tuned for that everybody and yeah we'll see you on the next podcast <laughs>